Good morning, everybody. If y'all make your way back to your seats, we're going to dive in uh, to experience the Lord. Amen. Oh, I'm a little. You fixing me? Are you fixing me? I'm trying to get the mic right. Mind if you don't know me, my name's James, and I make the speakers do that. Um, I'm an, uh, I'm an elder here at New Life, and Jeremy asked me to preach today. And I always get the fun topics. He always asks me, he says, you want to preach this Labor Day weekend? And I'm like, sure, that'll be great. Yeah, preaching's fun. And then I ask Jesus what he wants to talk about. And then he gets all serious. Um, and today we're going to be looking in, uh, our main text is going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. So I'm going to go ahead and read this main text, and then we'll dive in. So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much that you are so intimate and personal with us. Father, I pray right now that we would just open our hearts, that we would yield ourselves to whatever you have. Father, that you would fill my mouth and speak your words in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we're going to talk about the role of pain and suffering in the Christian life. It's a fun topic that's commonly done every Sunday because people love it. Uh, do, I, do you mean to just switch? You mean switch? Oh, he, he says he's got it. We'll just leave it there as a backup. All right. So... The one thing we have to begin to understand is the key truth before we even dive in is that love is not a feeling, that love is a person. The Bible tells us that God is love and that Christ was the visible image of the invisible God. And so love expresses himself in many different ways. We've got many descriptors for it, gentleness, kindness, tenderness, patience, there's long-suffering, but we know that love, as a person, also disciplines, guides, trains us as we walk with him. So love is not always comfortable. Uh, it's, love isn't always uncomfortable, but we have to know that there are going to be seasons of discomfort. check there we go we have to understand that there are going to be seasons of discomfort and the whole book of first peter is addressing several churches that are walking through trials through persecution and peter is encouraging them that this is growing them and sustaining them so some misconceptions about suffering we've got worldly suffering and we've got godly suffering there's suffering 
that the Lord carries us through, and then they're suffering because we're dumb. <laughs> I mean, that's about that's about the easiest way to describe it. Um, here are a few th- here are a few verses that talk about the, the, those things in First Peter, chapter two, nineteen and twenty. For God is pleased when conscience, or excuse me, conscious of His will. You patiently endure unjust treatment. Of course, you get no credit for being patient if you are beaten for doing wrong. But if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. Proverbs 19.3, there are some people who ruin their own lives and then blame it all on God. Don't know anybody like that, do you? Rob a bank, find yourself in jail. It's like, well, I'm just being persecuted. No, you robbed a bank. 1 Peter 4, 14 and 16. If you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed, for the glorious Spirit of God rests upon you. If you suffer, however, it must not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's affairs. But it, but it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by His name. So what I want to, I want to, I want to identify those two things, but I also want to point you to that there is scriptural tension, and lots of times we oversimplify pain and suffering. There's the godly and the worldly pain and suffering, but there's there's suffering that that God leads us into, but is not He's not necessarily the source of. Does that make sense? Because we look at like when you think about suffering, you think about Job. And what's interesting is when you read Job, the Lord brings up Job first before Satan ever says anything. Satan just comes up here and the Lord's like, where do you come from? And he says, well, I've been wandering around the earth. And he's like, have you seen Job? Have you considered my servant Job? He is righteous. And then the devil says, well, the only reason he's like that is because you bless him so much. And then so begin the book of Job. And then throughout Job, the friends that are giving him advice are telling him he's suffering because he sinned. And even Job, in the end of that, begins to question it. Well, have I sinned? Is God unjust? I have not sinned, but why am I suffering? And at the very end, God answers him, but he doesn't answer his question directly. The, the question is, why does suffering happen to righteous people? Why do bad things happen to good people? And the Lord tells Job... You don't have the right perspective. And then restores him. That's the, the, the oversimplified version. I encourage you to read it. But there is suffering. We know that Jesus, baptizing the Holy Spirit, God audibly speaks over him. This is my beloved son who, who I'm well pleased with. And then leads him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So there is some suffering that is by design, but that God is not necessarily invoking because John 10, 10 tells us the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose, the my being Jesus, is to give them a rich and, sustain, or rich and satisfying life. So if you're going through something, we use that verse to kind of categorize it. Is there theft, destruction, and killing? It's the devil doing it. But God works for the good 
through everything for the people that love him. So I just I want to point that out, that I don't have all the answers. I'm not here to tell you, it's just like this right here. Here it is. There is suffering we don't understand. There's pain we have to endure because God wants to do something in us. And it's not always comfortable, and it's not always fair, and it may not seem just, but that we can't see all the things God can see. You with me? Okay. So, he told me, four, there are four purposes, four purposes of trials, pain, suffering, whatever you want to call them, challenges in our life. And the first one is that pain reveals. Pain can reveal your capacity. Pain can also reveal your weakness. And in part of verse 6, in verse 6, or excuse me, we'll back up just a second because I wrote this down because it was funny. Um, at the beginning of verse 6, it says, be truly glad. And then he goes on to tell you all, the, be glad that you're going through all this. Be glad that your friends are getting murdered for professing Jesus. Be glad that you're being jailed. And I think, I think this breaks down into a few dif- uh, to at least two different glads. There's the glad that's like, yes, Lord, I'm so glad I'm full of joy despite all this stuff. And then there's the, man, I'm glad Jesus is doing something because I ain't doing it. Lord, you're going to have to do something because I can't. I've experienced both glads. Man, I'm glad I ain't got to fix this. But verse 7 goes on. It says that trials will show that your faith is genuine. That word faith translated, the word they use there, can be translated reliance on Christ. Pain has a, has a way of cutting through all the fluff, of getting right down to the point. And we, we've, we've said it before, like the pressure and challenges that come with trials reveal where the cracks in your foundation are. A chain is only as strong as its weak, weakest link. Um, those, those, those kinds of things. That was where I was was when it came time to address, when I, when I yielded myself to Jesus and said, let's do whatever you wanted to do, I didn't have in mind, let's address all your flaws. Let's, let's walk through a process that's going to that's gonna refine you and reveal not only who you are, but what you're not. And as we walk through the process, the Lord begins to show us. First, He likes to show us where we're strong. And then He likes to show us where we're weak. In the Passion Translation of verse 7, it says, But these only reveal the sterling core of your faith, which is far more valuable than gold that perishes, for even gold is refined by fire. Your authentic faith will result in even more praise, glory, and honor when Jesus, the Anointed One, is revealed. When he talks about, and we're gonna, it's gonna flow into this second point where gold is refined, and in, in, in that time period, when you needed to understand how much gold you had, or somebody said, "Here's some gold," well, let's figure out how much 
actual gold is here, they would weigh it, and then they would fire it. They'd put it in a, oh, now I forget whatever the thing is. Whatever the thing is, you put metal in to, to liquefy it. And um, they would heat it until it melted and, re- and burned off all the impurities. And then they would add some acid to burn off any silver that was in there. And then after that process, they'd let it cool down, and then they'd weigh it again. And then they'd say, this is how much gold you actually have. You started out with a pound. You really only have eight ounces. So God takes us through that same process to show us what we need and don't need. And we may find ourselves looking back and, and, and having weighed ourselves one way, passing through the fire, and then weighing ourselves again. I know I've appreciated a great degree of increase in patience. Uh, ask anybody that works here at the church or the school. The last two months have been a patient endurance test. Um, if you can think of it, it's probably broken in this building in the last two months. Um, but I can appreciate from who I was to where I am now when I deal with trying people or trying situations, I can appreciate the Lord's work in me where I'm not lashing out, I'm not reacting, I'm exhibiting self-control typically before speaking or thinking about my words. And the Lord, will do this, the Lord does the same thing with us or he shows us because we invite him in. When you pray those prayers, Lord, I need help. I want to become more like you. He goes, okay, well, we're going we're gonna to apply some pressure right here so that this thing comes up. And you find yourself you're like, why am I like this? Like one time, it's, it's been last, probably a year ago, someone, was, someone came up here for a word. Somebody got called up here and was like, well, we got a word for you. We're going to pray for you. And I was sitting there, and I became so jealous like jealousy just rose up in me. And I was like, what is this? Like I was confused. Like I felt jealous, but I was conscious that this jealousy was, like I was not, I didn't intend to be jealous. And and just right there, I was like, Lord, I don't know what this is, but I don't want it. And I began to pray the opposite. I began to bless that person from wherever I was quietly and thank them for what God thank God for what he was doing in that person's life. And the Lord just wiped that off. So I want to encourage you when those weird things rear their head when you pray for stuff. Jesus is pointing some things out to start praying into or pray away. Now some things are a little bit tougher. They don't just get swiped off the top. And that leads us to our second point. Pain, suffering, challenges, trials, refine who we are. So we know that there's the weighing and then the heating up, and we start to deal with impurities and start to take those things out. And some of those things float to the top and be scraped off, but others have to be burned off. (laughs) This is such an encouraging message. Be encouraged. The Lord will burn you. No, don't take that. Don't take that from me. God... (laughs) The Lord calls us his children, which is amazing. I'm a son. You're a son. If you're a lady, you're a daughter. And that is awesome because he's grafted us into our family. Jesus has brought us into the family. We are accepted. We are holy, blameless as we stand before him. That's what the Colossians tells us. But God says that he disciplines his children. In Hebrews 12, he said, you wouldn't be a son. You wouldn't be a daughter 
if God didn't spank you occasionally or didn't point you in a different direction, that's not the t- that's, those aren't the prayers we typically pray. But that is not comfortable. If you're going one way and you've been going that way all your life, and God says, no, it's time to go this way, and you say, yes, Lord, let's do it. Let's do it. And you just keep walking. Let's do it, Lord. I'm in. All of a sudden, these walls start showing up, and you're just, you're, you're just grinding against them until you're, until you're turned all the way around. That, that was, I'm, I'm not speaking out of some book. This happened to me. I was arrogant, and I was prideful, and work was an idol in my life. And I was just going, and then finally I countered the Lord, and I was like, yes, Lord, let's do it. Whatever, I'm in. Okay, you're going to get fired. All right, that's cool. I don't, let's just keep going. You're going to lose that other job. All right, you're going to stay at home now, and you're going to take care of your kids. All right, this is not fun. I don't like learning. Please stop. It's, if it's something that's been ingrained, and can't, like he's, it's like a slow grind. Now, I don't say that to say that like, walking with Jesus is not always this, this much friction. But if you're not going where he's going, he's going to turn you around. And you can keep ignoring him, and he's going to keep throwing up walls. You're going to have to walk around or stumble over. But if you yield, he, he'll take an, if you give him an inch, he'll take a mile because he loves you. It's just like when I tell my kids, okay, it's time to brush your teeth, and they're like, no. And then they run off, and I'm like, if you don't come in here and brush your teeth, I'm going to go get the paddle, and I'm going to encourage you to brush your teeth. And because they, they have experienced that, that love that says you need to do this because later you'll be better, they listen. So it's a tool of, it's a tool of refinement. It helps us to lean into what he has. Uh, in James, not the book I wrote, chapter 1, 2 through 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble of any kind comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete and needing nothing. We have a choice. When trial presents itself, we can keep saying, no, I'm going to do it my way, or I'm going to do it Jesus' way. Because it says right there, every trial is a chance. It's an opportunity for us to choose Christ, to choose to grow, to choose to walk wherever Jesus wants us to walk in that time, or sit down, whatever it is. But we can ignore him. The Israelites did in the wilderness. A three-day trip took 40 years and killed a generation. Because he had to get rid of them. Because they wouldn't listen. So I say that to say, discipline, guidance, opportunity to grow, those can all be encountered in trials and suffering and can be painful and uncomfortable to experience. But that they're caught that with the right perspective, we can celebrate what we're walking through because we know that Christ is being refined in us. Does that make sense? You can look at refinement as uh, spiritual weight lifting, if you can relate to that. When you, if you ever, for the first time, if you're walking the gym, you don't go over 
and pick up the heaviest weight because you're going to hurt yourself. You go and you start small. You pick up, I'll pick up this five-pound weight ten times. And then maybe a week later, I'll pick up this seven-pound weight ten times. And then so on and so on until I'm lifting that heavy weight. Well, that's the same way. When he's building patient endurance in us, when he's building himself in us, we may, we, we may begin to encounter training wheel suffering or inconveniences, not big obstacles, because he's preparing us for the mountain. He's saying, okay, well, hop over this log. All right, that's good. Climb up this hill, go back down. And those are times when we encounter, just like we talked about, when that thing just rears its head, whatever it is, whatever thing in your life the Lord reveals to you, and you begin to pray the opposite. For me, I dealt with a lot of lustful things, and that was something that the Lord had immediately freed me from, but my mind needed to be renewed. I was no longer a slave to it, but I had built all these pathways, neural pathways, that I had to, my, through, the, through the Word and through His working in me, I needed to be processed into viewing things differently. So I would find myself encountering, well, you don't have to, you don't have to go very far to encounter something to, to lust about in the world. Um, but when I would encounter those things, I would just, I would begin to pray. I'd be like, Lord, okay, thank you that you've purified my sight and that this, whatever it is, this person is a child of God and I just bless them. And I thank you, Lord, that, that you have filled me and that I am holy and blameless in, in, your, in your sight and that I wear righteousness and you just, you just start throwing scripture at it and you keep going. And slowly, as I lifted those small weights, it's all of a sudden it's a weight you don't realize you, you're lifting. Does that make sense? You just, it's muscle memory. Oh, I'm walking and now, oh, look at all that stuff. Well, that's cool, and you're able, to, you're able to bypass it, able to keep going. You're able to keep walking with Christ regardless of the situation around you. You build coping skills, and every little thing is not a pit that you live in for 10 years. 1 Peter 3.9, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. Y'all, this is that whole pray the opposite bit. I mean, I'm not here yet. I'm not here yet. People still wrong me, and then I think about them falling into a wood chipper. (laughs) It's kind of graphic. (laughs) Too deep. (laughs) I'm not not 100% in this. I'm, I'm still here suffering with you, okay? When people say not nice things, I think not nice things about them. But the Lord has told us that our job is to love. His job is vengeance and justice. Our job is to love. And when you have the right perspective, when you're trying to see Christ in that and you realize that something's wrong, then you can pray the opposite. And it's not comfortable. Oh, Lord, this person just threw me under five buses but bless them. Bless them. And you can be honest with Jesus. Did you know that? You can just tell him what you're feeling. Lord, I really, really, really don't like this person. But bless them. Because you said to, that's where it starts. And eventually, you can start to understand that this person doesn't know who they are. They don't know 
that they're a child of God. They don't know how much they don't have to be like this. So I want to bless them, and I pray, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to them and they would be touched by your radical love. You don't, it, it starts somewhere. So when you find yourself there, just take a step towards Jesus, whatever it is. And don't be afraid to be honest about your pain. Oh, this is, God, I wrote this down because this is my oldest daughter. How many of y'all, everybody know Isla? If you don't, she'll come introduce herself to you. Um, she's our four-year-old. She was three last year, and she tried soccer because Lindsay thought that was a good idea. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was a good idea, and this is where this point comes from. Uh, there were, I think there were eight sessions, um, but for the first four, Isla just cried. It's a 45-minute session. We get there, we put her out into the field, and, and they're not doing anything crazy. They're, they're just doing little drills. They're learning how to put their foot on the ball, kick the ball, run around and touch the ball. It's not hard, but if she didn't have it figured out prior to, she just loses it, melts down. <laughs> just in, in the middle of the field with all 50 children and 100 parents just being like, it's not mine. Mine's not crying. <laughs> Ain't nobody in here ever had that happen. Mm-mm, nobody. Anyway, so that, that's happening. For 40, I'm telling you, the first three times, 45 minutes of just crying, and we'd come back, and I was just like, Lord, help. Jesus, what is going on? Just Help. And we would encourage her. We'd go out there. We wouldn't just take her off the field. That's the thing. We're not pulling her back. We weren't pulling her back to the car and being like, all right, that was terrible. Let's go. We were like, we paid money for this. You're going to be here. Dollars left the bank account suffering silence. We didn't say that to our daughter. Um, <laughs> but I would go out on the field and kneel down and just be like, and just talk to her and be like, I don't know what's going on. What's Okay, well, let's just kick the ball, stand there with her, walk with her, kick the ball. And then when she would get distracted, you sprint it off the field. And inevitably, five minutes later, the wailing would start again, and we'd repeat the process. But, y'all, that fourth time, that fourth or fifth time, we sent her out there. And the crying progressively got less. And the fourth or fifth time we went, she was out there. And I told her, I said, hey, Isla, if you have a problem, there was a guy named Coach Paul there who was working with the kids. I said, just call for Coach Paul. Just say, hey, Coach Paul, I don't understand. I need help. Just say that. And she, she started kicking. She knew a couple of the drills, and they started a new one. And I watched it happen. She stopped because she got behind. She was behind the group in whatever they were doing. And she processed. And she was sitting there going, do I just start crying? Or do I call for Coach Paul? And just for like a split second, I watched her stand there, think about it, and go, Coach Paul, Coach Paul, I don't know how to do this. And y'all, I'm not kidding. I started crying. I'm not, it's not even funny, man. I, I started crying because that is what, in that very moment, I understood what God is doing in us. This is the pride the Father feels when I do a thing he's been trying to get me to do for four sessions. And I've just been crying. And finally, I'm like, okay, I'll just, all right, help. And he's just like, yes. I was telling my wife that last night. I was like, I'm going to try not to cry. I cried the last two times. I got teary-eyed every time I thought about it because I was so proud 
I was so proud, but she would never have gotten there if we took her off the field. If we said, no, that's uncomfortable. We better go over here where it's comfortable. Just give in to what she wants to do. No, you need to grow, so let's get out there. It's uncomfortable, and it sucks. Embrace the suck. This is going well. So pain reveals, pain refines, pain renews. Renews. Pain renews our perspective. Everywhere in the Bible you see anybody talking about trials. It's right next to put your eyes on Christ. Uh, If it's in the Old Testament, it's like put your eyes on God. Like refocus yourself. Gain perspective. In verse 6, it says, There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. Wonderful joy is right over there, and the trial's only going to last a little while. Now, his little while and our little while are different. But when you understand that God's perspective, his eternal perspective, is much greater than your own, and you don't, you don't have to understand, you just have to follow him, you'll be able to walk in that joy, and you'll understand what a little while is. When we encounter trials, when we have God's perspective, when we yield ourselves to him, And say, okay, Lord, I didn't make this mess. (laughs) I didn't ruin my life and blame you. But this has popped up and this is challenging and I'm doing all the right things, but here I am. And he just says, be still. Or he just says, that was was me a a few months ago. Stuff was just. Hello, there we go. It wasn't even super painful stuff, but like my, my connection to God had changed. I don't, I, don't, I'm not, I don't know how to put it into words. It was like a decreased sensitivity or something. I don't, it's really hard to explain. But it had changed, and I was confused, and I was trying new things. I was like, am I not doing it right? I'm going to go over here, and I'm going to praise with my hands up. I'm going to praise with my hands down. I'm going to get on my knees. I'm going to read seven books all at one time. I'm going to do all the Christian things. And nothing changed. And finally, I just sat down with God. I was like, Lord, what is happening? I don't know. I don't understand. And all he said was, you're my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And I'm like, that's awesome, Lord. Can I get some more? Can you let me know what's going on? I would like to understand all the factors, please. And he was just like, you're my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And then I found myself, y'all, if y'all never uh, visited Psalm 37, it's a great place to just relax in. Um. And in in there it says, one of the verses says, wait patiently on the Lord to act. And I was constantly affirmed in identity, or I still am. Constantly affirmed in who I was. Constantly affirmed in who I am and to wait patiently. And I had to just choose that perspective that said, all right, Lord, you do whatever you need to do, and I'm going to do the things I know to do. Seek you first. 
walk in love. Pray and read and ingest your word. 1 Peter 4, 1 says, Since then, or excuse me, so then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourself with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. When we understand who we are, when we walk through the fire with Jesus, we find ourselves changed. Just like that gold, we weigh ourselves on the other side and God's adjusted something. And you may never, you may not see it in the process. It might be something that you identify years later. Or the season would change again and then you look back and you see what God did in hindsight. And the last thing is that pain, suffering, trials, challenges make us remember. I am thankful for the time that God has given instant deliverance from something. He did that with me when I was addicted to pornography. In an instant, I was free from that. There was a process to renew my mind like we just talked about, but he freed me from it. But we are so, as, as a, I guess as, as, as a world, as, a, as humanity, we're so easily distracted. We're so, we're so easily forgetful about what God did. God parted the Red Sea for the Israelites. And like a month later, they were like, what are you even doing, God? Did you send us out here to die? You're saying that to the dude that just separated some waters, called down fire to protect your rear flank, sent ten plagues onto your uh, unjust masters. And you're telling him, you're giving him lip. Like, I mean, I say that, I mean, I, I wasn't there, clearly. But we're so easy to forget when we're given something quick or instant. When God loves answering prayer, and I don't want to, I don't want to steer you away for asking for things quickly. Please do. He loves answering prayer. It gives him joy to answer you specifically. But sometimes he sees that you're not going to fully appreciate something unless you walk all the way through it, step by step. Like I said, this is not a one-size-fits-all. This is just some of the work God does and some of the work he's done in me. And I'll remember his process of delivering me from my rebellious ways because it was a slow grind back down to what Jesus wanted me to be. And the key, y'all, the wonderful news of this whole message about pain is that submitting fully to Jesus is going to expedite the process. <laughs> you can't shorten what you have to go through, but you can stay there as long as you want. What's that? <laughs> you, can, you can't shorten what God wants you to go through but you can prolong it as long as you want. 
when you give your full yes to Jesus, no reservation, no, I'm going to do everything but, when you say yes, whatever you want to do, whatever it means, if I've got to pick up my house, and this is the, the y'all, you, when you pray the scary prayers, Lord, if you want me to go pick up my family and go live in a dumpster in Africa, I'll do it. And then you're frightened to death for a full week because you think the Lord is going to tell you okay. When you fully submit yourself, you'll find peace in that trial. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they got thrown in the furnace, Jesus was there with them, and they weren't burned. When you're on fire, in the fire, you don't get burned. If anything, you burn differently, and the people that are watching the fire are able to look and go, why isn't that person acting like I would act? So I want to encourage you, if you find yourself in the middle of, of a trial of some kind of pain or suffering, fully Submit yourself to God and what he wants to do, whatever that means. Even if you've done that before, get down on your knees and say, Lord, whatever you want to do, I'm just going to do what's in front of me, and I'm going to do what you say to do, and I'm going to keep seeking you, and I'm going to get the joy on the other side. He calls us to remember He walks us through process to remember, and we're going to take communion here in a minute. And that's our action to remember Christ's example of enduring many trials, enduring every trial, enduring every temptation, ultimately sacrificing himself for us. So I want to encourage you you, when you come to take communion here in a minute to submit yourself to, to Jesus. Thank him for what he's done and ask Ask him to give you grace to follow his example. We're going to pray, and then I'll invite you all to to come up. There's two tables here. And just receive communion and just have have that attitude of, Lord, I don't get it. I don't know what you're doing. I don't understand it all. This sucks, but your grace is sufficient. And I'm going to keep seeking you. And I'm going, to, I'm going to stay where I'm at because this is where you've said to go. I'm going to keep on this path because this is what you said. Even though there's resistance, I'm going to stay on this path. And I'm going to trust. And I'm going to grow my reliance on Christ. So, Father, we just thank you for your ultimate example of patient endurance. We thank you, Father, that your grace fills each one of our lives, Father, that you love us so dearly. You love us so much that you won't let us walk through trial alone. Father, I pray we would feel your closeness, that your hand is holding our hand as we walk through life, as we walk through difficulties, as we walk through pain. Give us your perspective, Father. Give us your grace. Help us to know you more be fully yielded in Jesus' name. Amen.